like our content? It's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. Friends, it's wonderful to have you here today. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair of New Church Live. It is great to have you joining us on this beautiful October day. And what we're going to talk about today is, is this idea of surprise. And, and years ago, I remember listening to, to Rab, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, very famous rabbi in American history. And, and he commented about the God of surprises. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the God of surprises. And Heschel talked about how surprise is such a key way in terms of how God works with us. I'm going to read you a line here from Heschel that gets right to that point. Mankind will not perish for want of information, but only for want of appreciation. The beginning of our happiness is the understanding that life without wonder is not worth living. What we lack is not a will to believe, but a will to wonder. I love that. And that's what we're going to talk about. How do, how do we sort of kindle this will to wonder? Because that is part of, of how God made us. That, that idea that our imagination, our sense of wonder is what, what helps us to imagine a, a future that we can't currently see. It allows for all kinds of beautiful, powerful parts of the spiritual life. Now, what gets in the way? This is from another rabbi who I like, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Rabbi, Rabbi Sachs was saying, yeah, and the problem is we forget. We forget about wonder. We forget about surprise. We, we just simply forget about how God is at work in our lives. Jonathan Sachs. We are, however, forgetters. It is what we do best. Our seductive world of consumerism is like a casino. No clock, no calendar, only us and the product and the safe territory of self-indulgence. That's a beautiful phrase there, the safe territory of self-indulgence. Only us in a vacuum, all alone without context or company or accountability, only us. Only us without memory, without assistance, without application, without passion, without memory. No naming and finally no faith. We need to arise with the power to be different. And that's our, that's our hope, folks, is that is that we can allow today, just allow maybe a little thought to start to grow. And that is of surprise and wonder starting to move us beyond the safe territory of self-indulgence. And it may be able to consider other perspectives. It may be being able to see the world slightly differently. It may be just being able to, to connect in new ways, but all done with that sense of wonder and that sense of surprise. And ready, friends, it's a place where we allow God to surprise us. So now we're going to have our first song. Welcome, friends. Welcome to New Church Live. Good morning, everybody. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I said, it's all right. Darling, it's been a long and lonely winter Little darling, it feels like years since it's been here Here comes the sun, do-do-do-do Here comes the sun, I say, it's alright Little 
Darling, the smiles return into the faces Little darling, it feels like years since it's been here Here comes the sun, do-do-do-do And here comes the sun, I say it's alright Sun, 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 here it comes Sun, 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 here it comes Little darling, I feel the ice is slowly melting Little darling, it feels like years since it's been here And looking through the Bible, it was fun to consider what are, what are wonderful stories of surprise where, where God of surprises kind of shows up. And here we're, we're flipping into the Christian tradition and the Christian New Church tradition where we're, we're looking at, at a story that I think so exemplifies that, that very thing. It's the story of the road to Emmaus. In the context of the story, before I read it, just to give you a little context, it's part of the Easter story, comes at the end of the Easter story. For those of you who aren't familiar with that story, it's the part where Jesus dies. Three days later, he is risen, he's resurrected. Key, beautiful, really the, the cornerstone story in so many ways of the Christian faith. But after he's risen, after he's resurrected, after he is brought back from the dead, you could say in a certain sense, there are some people who are walking away from Jerusalem, away from that capital city, and these are people who had given up much of their lives to follow him. And they're taking those steps away. The, the world that they knew, the promises that they had thought, the, 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 the cause that they had joined, they felt just lay in ashes. Here was this hero, this, this person who they venerated, this person who they really believed was going to lead Israel into a new world, a new era, who was going to get rid of the Romans, who was, who was a brilliant teacher talking about spirituality in ways no one had ever heard before. And all that laid in ashes. And not only laid in ashes, there was a clear threat that anyone who had followed him on that path was going to end up there, dead, nailed to a cross. So you can just imagine the despair as they take that journey, the despair that they would have been experiencing. But then as they take that journey, somebody joins them. Now that person ends up being Jesus, though they did not know it at the time. And I want to read to you that story and then offer a few comments on it. This is the story on the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And again, you can imagine the despair there. As they talked, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they did not recognize him. He asked, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Jesus tends to start with questions. 
They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them asked, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know what's happened these, these, these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a powerful prophet in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And here it's by the Romans. And they crucified him. But we had hoped, again, and think of their hopes being crushed here. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since that took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb, Jesus' tomb, early in the morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as they had said. Jesus said in here, I tend to read Jesus, I think you gotta read him with a smile 90% of the time, I would read this next line with a smile. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And the word glory there could be celebration. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village, Emmaus, to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearing, nearing evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table, with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open. This is a beautiful part. This is where the surprise comes in. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning with others within us? And sometimes said, Were not our hearts gently warmed? Is another translation. While he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us. It's just, it's just a beautiful line, folks, and it's a beautiful line of surprise. And, and there's, a, there's a wonderful painting on it. Take a look at this painting, this painting of it, which I love. And I love that they do Jesus as an outline that's, that's invisible because they couldn't see. And that begs the question, like, why is that? Well, I think it's because, real simply, the Lord risen is hard to recognize, because, because we have this confirmation bias. We have this way of, of seeing God. Like, no, God will show up this way. But again, we're talking to God of surprises here, right? But we really believe God, no, God shows up this way. And then God shows up in a way that's very different. For those of you familiar with the Christian tradition or those of you are not, the first way he shows up, somebody thinks he's a gardener. Then he shows up as a friend. And now he's showing up as a fellow traveler. And notice, folks, the lines here are pretty consistent. This is how Jesus, how Lord God, Savior Jesus Christ, God with skin on, this is how he shows up. This is how he shows up in his glory. Now, when I hear in that phrase glory, I tend to think of like big, you know, rock concert, Taylor Swift, all that stuff. But that's not it. He's showing up in surprising ways. See, that wouldn't have been surprising. He's showing up in surprising ways that are far more about just the normal rhythms of life than anything else. And what we need to remember, folks, is that God, part of this is that God insists on being bound to us by love, which is a free choice, an act of the will, not by intellectualized certainty. 
So God showing up in this way is, is, is outside of certainty. It's just, it's just showing up in this way where it's, where it's these bonds, these boundaries, these, these connections of love. This, this fellow traveler, this, this walking with us, that's such a beautiful part of life and a beautiful way to see it. See, I, I think, folks, one of the things we want so much is, is we want to have this intellectualized certainty around God. We don't want to necessarily be surprised. Some people I know hate surprises, and I think spiritually we probably are more prone that way. We want to kind of get a view of God, get that view nailed down. And I think that's because, folks, we believe that somehow if I step here into this place of certainty, if I, if I can step into a place of certainty, I'll have God nailed down. I'll know exactly what to do. But really, folks, a lot of this, a lot of trying to nail God down into these real, real set certain terms, it's really our desire, our desire to have control. To have control over our lives, to have control in a, in a sense that we may not see it this way over God. And when we sit in this place, friends, when we sit in this place of real trying to search for that certainty, one of the biggest challenges is that it tends to break the world into binaries. Wins, losses, ins, outs, this or that. And that's, that world of certainty is not really the world of God. God, I think life, again, it has so many parts to it that are uncertain. It has so many parts to it that are unknown. It, it has so many surprises, some for the good, some for the ill. But we have to sort of understand that the certainty of God, it's like a step back from that. The certainty of God is far more about love. It's, it's far more dynamic. It's far more able to move. It's, it's far different than ways we might necessarily see it. And we can understand that, that if we get into certainty too much, that, that actually can be a little dangerous to our spiritual lives. Because we'll no longer be curious. We'll no longer, as Heschel said, we'll no longer have a sense of wonder. Life is much better with a sense of curiosity, much better with a sense of wonder. I've been fortunate, folks, over the years, you know, as many of us have, have been with New Church Live for a while, to, to see young families and to, and to see how things work and to, to see how things unfold. And there's a lot of beauty in that. I, I look at this picture, right? This is a picture here, friends. This is a, a, beautiful, a beautiful couple who just recently had their baby baptized. And it was a beautiful moment. And it's, it's always these moments of wonder and surprise. I mean, it's just good. So here's this beautiful family. The baby's a little fussy, but then as soon as we start the ceremony, the baby tunes right in. Good stuff. And the family gets to celebrate, right? The, the baby's mom wants the baby to be baptized, Christian New Church baptism. The dad has invited his dad and his family. This is how they're going to raise their child. But they have this beautiful other part of their family that's, that's Hindu. And it was, it was like this service was just filled with surprises. Surprises around a little child and how excited the little child was to be there. And then the surprise of watching the Hindu family and understanding how that was so important to them. The way the service went is, is, is we, did, we did the baptism, 
beautiful. We did a family bapt we did a family blessing, which I love doing. And then when the baptism was over and we'd finished the service, the family wanted to do a Hindu blessing. So I'm talking to the groom's dad. I'm like, well, well yeah, I'd love to hear what's, what's the Hindu blessing. And in this beautiful, beautiful language, he says, it's, it's this. It's, it's, you know, we believe that there's God's light and God's light has gone into our granddaughter now and we're going to celebrate that. That's really good. Really good theology there. And so what they did was they, they lit a set of candles. Uh, they, they moved the candles around in these beautiful motions. I won't even attempt to do it. They clapped and they sang. It was, it was one of those moments of surprises, folks. And see, if we get too married or, or too ensconced or too kind of locked down, in terms of a, of a specific religious way to see the world, to, to, to make a liturgy that just is so lockstep, we'll miss out on those moments. We'll miss out on the surprises in life. And the surprises in life are incredibly beautiful things. And, and what I love, too, about baptisms, and I love this with weddings, is, is just watching people who are, who are promising to love another person for always and forever. Now, this is what we all know, right? Will there be days that that gets forgotten? Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll get forgotten when the child is 13 and really be a pain. It'll get forgotten by the, by the spouse who just is annoyed that the socks have been left on the floor for the 150th time this week. We'll forget. But the beautiful part is that I, I think there's this moment, right? There's this moment in a baptism and in a wedding and memorial services too, where people are like, yeah, we're, we're going to just love this person forever. And, and you could always count them love. I work with couples all the time around baptisms who are part of this congregation. And, and I ask them, well, what do you want them to most know? Always the first thing is that they will always be loved. What's, what's in us that knows that? What's in us that can say that and, and can believe that, knowing that, of course, life will have moments where we forget it. But there's great power in that, folks. And when we sit in that power, we can be open to the surprises of life. It's just, it's just interesting, right? The, the, story, the, the story here of the road to Emmaus, they recognize Jesus when their hearts are strangely warmed when they have that sense of love deep within their life. I think, folks, that's important to hold it that way because proving you love someone is exhausting. And that's sort of where we want certainty to be. You know, like, we want this certainty, we want, we want and somehow we think certainty will, will beget this, this idea of a proof, uh, a way to know all things for all time. Jesus is far more about love and, and if we're always trying to prove, if we're always trying to prove that we love another person, I think we've all probably been there. And again, it's exhausting. Love is not a performance art. Now, I don't mean there aren't things that we do. Obviously, there are. And it's critical that we all do them. But it's not a performance in that you're on stage and here's your loved one down there in the audience and 
your job is to act on stage in a way that they'll see it and they go like, oh, they must love me. There's not much surprise in that. There's a lot of exhaustion. It's much more about like being in love, not trying to prove it, but simply being it. And I want to say that again. It's not trying to prove it. It's trying to be it. I think that may be why Jesus, after he's resurrected, shows up very ordinary ways. Probably the most grand way he shows up in the New Testament, this is, this is uh, for people who are probably more you know, familiar with the traditional biblical stories, he does have, have this moment called the transfiguration where they, they see him and he's, he's aglow and it's, it's this, this moment, this mountaintop moment. It's interesting. There's no such moment after Jesus is resurrected. Why? Because he wants you to find him, and to find him means to find each other too, in the ordinary parts of life. Because that's where the real surprise is. Not in a shock and awe campaign. But in the ordinariness of life, you can see incredible grace and incredible beauty. God, I think, friends, and I think this is such a big part of the story, I think he is far more interested here in that idea, in that idea, and it's a very powerful idea, that idea of quiet companionship. That idea of a God that walks with us. And, and I, I say it all the time, but I love the word companionship because companionship literally means, pan means bread, com means with. Companionship means with breaking bread. Like that's, that's the companionship that he's seeking to have with you. And that's where the surprise, again, can start to grow. And we can start to feel at ourselves at a table with hearts gently warmed. And what might Jesus be mirroring us for, mirroring to us in this point? What, what might he be trying to show us? Like, it's interesting, and this is, this is, many of you know this, but I'm going to repeat it for those who are joining us for the first time here. Welcome, by the way. Christianity was called the way. It wasn't called Christianity. That comes later. And it was, it was the way because it was the way. It was, this was how you were to walk in life. And when we look at stories like the road to Emmaus and Jesus showing up in these ways that are very ordinary and, and, and sort of surprising people in the ordinariness of life, just ordinary walking, granted, in very desperate times, and Jesus is choosing to walk with them. When we, when we can do that, folks, when we can follow that way, we can see, yeah, what is Jesus mirroring for us here? Well, I think he's mirroring a number of beautiful things. And this is a piece of Christian new church perspective. He's mirroring, loving. That God's whole point is loving outside those outside of himself. That, that God is, is that's, that's the whole essence, that's the core, is to, to love something outside of self. Granted, God's self is something that's almost impossible to vaguely get our brains around. But here in that, loving outside of self, here in that as well, this is what God does. This is the way 
This is what we are to do. And that same logic could apply to this next one. Connecting. God is all about loving, loving others outside himself. Connecting, wanting to be one with others. Connecting, wanting to be one with others. That's an incredible, beautiful concept too. You know, there's always this endeavor with God towards unity, towards, towards connectedness. And it doesn't mean, folks, and we've talked about this a lot, I feel, this fall, it doesn't mean connectedness where, where we just kind of gather up the good stuff, draw lines between that, and then here's all the bad stuff. It's, it's trying to connect so that it all has a wholeness to it. Where even the parts that are painful and challenging, it's not necessarily calling them good. Because some of them, and many of you no doubt are in this place, some of them just aren't. It is about saying, though, that that is part of our experience and that life is still precious and we can weave all that together because that becomes a very tapestry of our lives. So that, that idea of loving, connecting, and then blessing, blessing others from himself, blessing others, connecting with others, loving others. That is, that is a beautiful way to capture, again, that beautiful line from the prayer, as in heaven, see these as God. See, this is what God is trying to do. So upon the earth. And see, this is what your mission, your call is. It's interesting, friends, isn't it, that, that when we look at things like this, what we read, and I, you know, for all of my years teaching, uh, teaching high school, it's something that, that is very striking when you start to read this way, when we start to read this way. When we start to read both, okay, so this is what I'm reading, and then the part two of it, is this is what I'm not reading. A lot of people today, if you ask them what they thought about God and Christianity and religion and churches, they probably wouldn't say they're about loving other people, connecting with other people, blessing other people. And that's sad. And, ready for this? It's a legitimate criticism. Because we can make institutions like churches, synagogues, mosques, nonprofits, we can make them the opposite of this list here. You notice with the list, there's no word punishing there. Like, God didn't put us on this earth to somehow punish us for making mistakes. Also, interestingly, it doesn't have the word testing on there. God didn't put us in this life so we could go through a bunch of tests. Of course, we'll go through temptations. Of course, we'll go through challenges. Of course, we'll make mistakes. Of course, we're going to need to practice accountability, accountability for our mistakes over and over again. We're going to have to get really good at saying, I'm sorry. But all of that, folks, it's in light, not of a punishing, trusting God, excuse me, a punishing, uh, vengeance-oriented God, a God who wants to, to punish us and constantly test us. All of that, all of that endeavor towards accountability, forgiveness, overcoming mistakes, it's all in the, in the perspective of helping us to be more loving, helping us to be more connected, and helping us to bless other people more and more. It's a very different perspective. And when we can come to that, I think the world really becomes wonderful because it becomes filled with people who are all on this journey. And, and who, who really wants to continue to have conversation up here just at the level of complaint? As Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, that's just, that's cheap. <laughs> that's cheap grace. 
That's cheap connection. Costs us nothing. But can we come down to something deeper? Can we come down to a place of, and again, it's not wonder and surprise that's sort of light. I think the problem is, is not that, uh, the problem might be many of our lives are probably too light. The problem is not that many of our lives are too weighty. And maybe a problem should be that our, we have to make our lives have that gravitas. And there's a gravitas that's available to us that is all about surprise and wonder, where we really get into that. We really dig into it, just like a scientist. We really are in that place. And that's where we want to be. So friends, as we go into our middle song here, let's just think through what it would be like. Like, What would it really be like to live a life of wonder and surprise at a deep, deep level?
say is our love don't have to change. No, we don't have to change. So friends, let's just, let's just think for a minute, like what is a life filled with wonder? What is a life that is wonderful? What would that be like? Because I think in our days, uh, for many of us, you know, we start our days with a list of our problems. We start our days with a list of challenges. We start our days with a list of worries and fears. So, so we, we just, we, we are, we're right from the get-go, we're making the day as small as we can get it. But what if this? What if we chose something different? What if we said, no, I really want to really approach life. I really want to go into life with a sense of wonder. I was talking to a, to a dear friend. It's, it's, a, it's a couple friend. And I, you know, I love this woman's husband. He's a, he's a dear friend. And, and she was telling me about him once. And she, and she said, you know, I just love, and again, he's my age. And she said, I just love his sense of boyish wonder. You know, he's 50-something. And the love of his life loves about him his boyish sense of wonder. Aren't a lot of people that you can say that about. And maybe we could live a life in ways that that may be how people would describe you. This, this sense of wonder at life and the sense of, of how things can go. When we do that, folks... And we really start to look at just being deeply interested in life and, and really open to it and really open to surprise and wonder. It's always interesting how we can find it in very, very ordinary places. A few weeks back, we decided for a weekend activity to head out to the Grange Fair. Now, I personally grew up in rural western Pennsylvania. And and a lot of farms out there. My family, long story short, had a, had a little farm. My grandma started a nursing home. Many of you know this story. So I grew up with a farm nursing home combination, which is strange to say the least, but that's, that's how I grew up. So I grew up going to a lot of these things. And we went to one and we're walking around and it's, it's, just, it's just so fun. It's like this, this uh, yeah, there's just surprise after surprise after surprise. You know, even just watching folks, like, like watching little things, uh, watching the, the, different, the different food contests, you know, and who got first place, who got second, walking through the different barns, actually seeing people who we knew, which was really fun to do as well. Like, oh yeah, there they are, saying give them a big cheery hello. The one surprise I won't do is roller coasters, but that's for another sermon. And then we went and they were having a, a, a sheep show. You know, I guess that's old. Try to say that. Try to say that ten times faster. We're having a sheep show, and there was there was a local person who was connected uh, to the group we were with, and and uh, you know he was there, and it was it was he was showing his sheep, and it was it was just folks. It was like it was just really cool being in this place where where here are these people, and and there's there's just doing what they do. They love what they do. It's 4-H. They're just, they're just loving it. And, and when, we, when we can step into that place, we can step into those things with a sense of wonder, even if you're a pure city slicker, 
you will find things that are energizing, that are beautiful, that are wonderful, that give you a sense of who God is, that give you a sense of, of who God is in the world. Because remember, friends, that's where God wants to be found. He wants to be found in the ordinary. He desires to be found in the ordinary. And it's not like some game of hide and seek where he's hiding in the ordinary. God is in the ordinary. He is in the normal. He is in just those, those little actions we can take that can help us to see our lives a little differently, spin things a little differently, see things a little differently. And, and that will help us in many ways to see God in new, in new and incredibly enlivening ways. And it's this reminder as always, the love we were created with is a love for our neighbor that makes us generous. We find ourselves filled with joy when we do something good for each other. And it's interesting with, with that idea of generosity, that idea of we're meant to love other people. Where else are you going to find each other? Where else are we going to find each other? But in the ordinary. It's, it's interesting, you know, being a, being a history teacher, there was this, this principle of that a long time, you know, I, I like military history and and it's to draw a little analogy here, but there was this, this belief in the one great battle. That's what the uh, yeah, World War II, the Japanese had this idea of the one great battle. If they could just get the Americans into the one great battle, and then that would end it. That's what they needed to do, was just find the one great battle. I don't think that's how life works. I don't think it's, it's going to be your spiritual life, your, your connection with God, your connection with other people. It's not going to be the one great moment. That's why, again, with a big smile, we have the wedding and then we have the marriage. And weddings are beautiful things. But it's just a moment. The marriage, that's where the work is. That's where the surprise is. That's where the finding the beauty is. That's where the work of surprise and amazement is, is in, is in that. And, and that is something that, that extends over a long period of time. From honeymoons in Napa Valley down to just the ordinariness of life. So friends, the takeaway for this sermon is allow yourself, take a breath, Allow yourself, allow yourself to really be surprised. What does it take for you to be surprised? What does it take for you to regain a sense of wonder? What does it take for you to carry on a sense of curiosity out there into the world? And when we do that, may we find this, when we find God in just the ordinary, in the ordinary parts of our lives, and folks, to me, and I think to all of us, let's have a week where God in the ordinary is the surprise and is the miracle. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's wonderful to have you again as part of our congregation. And what we're going to do now is now we're going to shift gears and, and we're going to move into the last sort of cont more contemplative part of our service and to do that, the way we're going to do that piece is, is I'm going to do a prayer, then we're going to do the Lord's Prayer, then I'm going to do a little blessing, and then we'll close with our final song. So friends, please join me.
Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, thank you as well for being the God of surprises. Allow us to be surprised. Allow us to be again and again filled with a sense of wonder, knowing that maybe in many ways that is where we will find you. And from that sense of surprise and wonder, let us remember as well that that will push us more and more into the ordinary. Not surprise and wonder based on extraordinary experiences beyond what we experience in our regular lives, but this peace where our regular lives become extraordinary experiences of your grace, your connection, your way, where we find things, as is said in the little way, we find you in all things. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here among us. Be with us in the week ahead and hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, have a great week. We'll see you next week here at New Church Live. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Listen as your day unfolds, challenge what the future holds, try and keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may cause you tears, go ahead, release your fears, stand up and be counted, don't be ashamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be bad, you gotta be bold, you gotta be wiser. gotta be stronger, you gotta be cool, you gotta be calm, you gotta stay together, all I know, all I know is love will save the day, herald what your mother said, read the books your father read, try and solve the puzzle in your own sweet mind, some may have more cash than you, others take a different view. Hard. You gotta be tough, you gotta be stronger You gotta be cool, you gotta be calm You gotta stay together All I know, all I know is love will save the day Time has no questions, it goes on without you Leaving you behind if you can't stand the pain The world keeps on spinning, you can't stop it If you try to day unfolds, challenge what the future holds, try and keep your head up to the sky, love is they may cause you tears, go ahead release your fears, my oh my, hey, hey, hey. you 
Thank you.